Welcome or welcome back. A big thanks to you listeners who have already shared feedback. It means the world. Two requests stand out. First, that I add some pauses here and there, little refreshers maybe where we can both catch our breath. That's good advice, and you'll hear those happen in this episode. Ask Two is about interviews. You can count on some great ones coming right up. Episode 5 will share a unique conversation with a person whose name you may already know, someone who has changed the way many of us eat, shop for, and think about food. Her episode is called Cultivating Hope, and when you hear her vision for a healthier, more sustainable future through the power of food, you'll see why. I can't wait to share her with you. Today, though, as promised, we'll explore mindfulness. I'm taking an approach that's pretty different from most of what you'll find out there. Yes, I'll touch on the many mental and physical benefits that mindfulness offers. Yet what I'll really explore today is how mindfulness practice can counterbalance a reality that affects even the healthiest brains. It's about the changes to gray matter, the stuff in our brains where neurons and other important cells do their mission-critical work that happens as we age. And note to all, We're all aging. That's part of life. It turns out that mindfulness practices, as well as meditation, seem to have a pretty interesting effect on gray matter, increasing its density in ways all of us might want to know about. I won't go so far as to say mindfulness is something like an anti-aging treatment for the brain. Yet I will share what mindfulness changes in the brain, including in that gray matter which, well, matters because it's the material in which so many of the cells that allow our brain to conduct its work grow, branch out, and get nourished. By the end of this episode, maybe you'll wonder how mindfulness can find its way into more of your life in ways both you and your brain can benefit from. No matter where you are on that journey, this episode, and the short exercise at the end of it, supports your brain's lifelong potential to fire and wire in ways that might help it stay, well, a little more forever young. You know, like that Beyonce song, As You Travel Life's Path. All that coming right up. Welcome, truly welcome, to Episode 3 of the Brain and Beyond Podcast. I am so grateful to have you here. Welcome to The Brain and Beyond, a podcast about neuroscience, mental balance, and hope for the future. I'm Ellen Petrie-Leance, a neuroscience educator and leadership coach who begins with the brain as I look to understand, navigate, and enjoy this adventure called life. If you're curious about neuroscience or want to find more satisfaction on your journey, you're at the right place. I promise to make learning about the brain interesting, enjoyable, actionable, and beyond. Today we'll focus on an aspect of mindfulness and even neuroplasticity that isn't often talked about. Yet it's powerful to understand, 
especially as we and our brains age. And we're all aging, always. That's how life works. The messages we get in our culture about the aging brain can be pretty daunting. It's true that, like everything in our beings, the human brain does change with time. Yet the bleak picture many headlines, advertisements, and even research projects present is not everyone's inevitable trajectory. A key insight into how the brain ages, and into mindfulness practice, might suggest a way to counterbalance something that might otherwise point to decline. This episode shares how mindfulness can, well, maybe cross-train the brain, strengthening aspects of it that can help anyone, yet that really matter as we think about our future brains and how we want to care for them as well as we can. And there's more to feel hopeful about as our brains age than we generally hear. A healthy aging brain can be quite different than many research projects and medical reports indicate. We know this anecdotally as we think of elders whose minds and lives are engaged, vibrant, relevant, and meaningful. It's what we'd all want for ourselves and for those we love. Yet the research most of us get exposed to doesn't often point to that. It paints a picture of decline, one to dread and fear. Now, we must acknowledge that there are diseases and conditions that do, often tragically, affect the brain as it ages. However, I want to call out an important truth about how some research may have misset our expectations about the aging brain. In several of the most cited studies on age-specific brain functions, subjects had not been pre-screened to ensure baseline brain health. Outcomes of these studies may have been skewed by people who had undiagnosed compromises to their brains or cognitive functions. There's at least a chance that some of these studies are more daunting than they would be if participants had been evaluated for brain health before the studies were done. Now, in fairness, there's so much we don't know about the brain. Even the best studies might miss things. Some of the research I read to prepare for this episode came right out and said that their observed results needed further validation before being seen as absolute or even viable. It's awesome when researchers include that transparency. Yet headlines seldom do. They grab our attention with gloom and doom, knowing that fear can draw people in more than positive things like hope, encouragement, and even good news. So it's really fun to share some hope, encouragement, and even what looks like pretty good news with you today. I'll start with news on mindfulness, because it's pretty compelling. You don't need me to tell you about the benefits meditation and mindfulness impart on brain health and function. Google search brain benefits of mindfulness and you'll get about, oh, 16,300,000 results in 0.55 seconds. I know, because I just did that. Yet, scouting the articles, and no, I didn't read all of them, there's less information about the actual brain than there is about behavioral changes associated with mindfulness practice. Which is understandable. It's generally easier to look at changes in behavior than it is to identify actual changes within the brain. Yet, what happens in behavior is the result of what happens in the brain. And the behavioral changes associated with mindfulness are pretty impressive, which might suggest something equally impressive going on behind the scenes. 
There's enough research from enough sources to show that mindfulness practice drives real change. Take these. Mindfulness training and practice correlate to improved focus. Mindful practice can lengthen attention span and reduce significantly distractibility. Mindfulness has conclusively been shown to improve cognitive performance, as in thinking, in both quantitative and creative problem-solving. Maybe that's because of the enhanced memory management and recall that mindfulness also supports. And get this, better judgment and decision-making in risk-taking scenarios? Hmm, nice. To me, that sounds like a PFC more easily coming online. Then there's the creativity boost. Students in a major European study demonstrated much more creative thought and expression after only two weeks of mindfulness practice. And countless studies cite reductions in anxiety and stress as people developed meditation or mindfulness practices. There's also significant evidence regarding reductions in depressive experiences or states. Many studies talk about more reliable emotional responses, often expressed as a decline in reactivity. This may help explain the improvements in physical health, things like reduction in blood pressure and more desirable resting heart rates. After all, stress and related states elevate cortisol levels in the body, and cortisol definitely affects functions in organs, including the heart. Maybe that's why more and more doctors and mental health professionals are recommending or even prescribing Mindfulness training for their patients. Maybe you've witnessed a friend or yourself becoming more relaxed while adopting a mindfulness practice, more able to lighten up and to let the little things go, and to focus better on things that matter. In my work, I watched one client use mindfulness to transform his relationship with social media and then to laugh at himself rather than see himself as a failure as he looked back on all the time and energy he'd spent doom-scrolling and fishing for likes. There's also evidence that mindfulness makes the brain more open to flow state, not to mention more playfulness, curiosity, and, heck, more happiness. Well, as I said, you don't need me to tell you this. 16 million articles out there are sharing the data and stories. Research shows there are actual physical changes to the brain, really good ones, that seem to result from mindfulness and meditation practices. After all, everything we do changes our brain, yet, let's face it, it's a lot easier to track behavioral changes in a research group than to go in and measure befores and afters in actual brains. However, there is at least a clue that mindfulness does spark enough firing and wiring in the brain that physical changes occur, 
One is the increase in density in the rostrolateral and orbitofrontal PFC, subregions of that powerful and important prefrontal cortex that come with continued mindfulness practice. Density is kind of like muscle tone. Since the PFC directs some of our most important thoughts and decisions, tone and strength sound pretty good to me. There's also increased density in the sensory and insular cortices. These areas help with sensory perception and traits like agency, that desire to initiate and accomplish, as well as discernment or evaluation of options. Those are things we all might want more of. Now, what it does to the hippocampus, which we'll talk about in a future episode, is really interesting. Research suggests that mindfulness and meditation can help this area actually regain loss function even after it's been affected by processes related to the brain's trauma and fear response. What got me most excited, though, was how mindfulness seems to densify, which is a real word, the corpus callosum, that structure that allows information to move between our hemispheres, supporting a more balanced brain. We will definitely explore more about that. This is compelling stuff, and it all brings me back to gray matter. A reality and big concern about aging brains is the decrease in gray matter, volume, and tone that tends to occur in some important parts of the brain. With age, gray matter tends to lose density. Gray matter is a physical substance. It's not a part of the brain. It's basically the, well, matter that's home to neurons or nerve cells across much of the brain. You already know what gray matter looks like if you've seen, and we've all seen, pictures of the gray, squiggly surface of the brain, the neocortex. About 40% of the human brain is made up of gray matter, much of it on the surfaces of the brain, which is where many important cells transmit their messages. The remaining 60% is largely made up of something called white matter, which we'll get to in a future episode. Yet although gray matter occupies the minority share of the brain's real estate, it consumes almost all, about 95% of its energy. That energy arrives in the form of glucose and oxygen delivered through the blood as fuel. Now, since 95% of that energy is burned up by the gray matter, we get a pretty good indication that a lot of resources are spent activating and responding to the signals and connections that are exchanged there. Imagine this. Your brain hosts approximately 86 billion neurons and the potential for trillions of unique interconnections. Your axons and dendrites, cellular structures extending out from neurons and creating exchange points with other axons and dendrites, would span something like 528,000 miles if lined up end-to-end. Think of the moon. It's around 238,900,000 miles from Earth, so it's fair to say that the axons and dendrites in your brain could take you to the moon and back, so to speak. 
Maybe that will give you a sense of how elaborate and important these connection cells are and how their health and functionality serves our health and functionality throughout our lives. Healthy gray matter hosts neurons, axons, dendrites, and other types of cells. When gray matter is damaged by, say, injury, stroke, or certain brain conditions, the neurons and related cells within it can't send or receive their messages to and from other parts of the brain. Functions become compromised or even disappear, which is definitely not good. Across and throughout a healthy brain, Cell structures reach out and touch each other, so to speak, so they communicate. And that's what creates our sense of the world. When the gray matter is there to support it, that is. Not so much when it's not. Picture in your mind's eye one of those old-school telephone switchboards, like the ones from vintage movies where operators connect one end of a cable into one slot or jack and the other end into another to make a phone ring on the other end. Or if you grew up in the digital era, visualize a circuit board. Now, which would be more useful, a switchboard with only a few cables for making connections, or one with an abundance of them? Or a circuit board with plenty of chips, but only a few solder jumpers or connection terminals or whatever they're called? Or one with plenty of wired-in connections? The answers are obvious. Also with the brain. A brain with denser gray matter is a brain with more connectors. A brain with more connectors, obviously, can make more connections. And more and more it seems that mindfulness practice increases the gray matter density that supports neuronal health in some very important parts of the brain, including our uniquely human prefrontal cortex. If gray matter thins out and loses density with age, and if mindfulness bolsters the density of gray matter in key areas of the brain, is it possible that the physical benefits of mindfulness might counterbalance some age-related processes in ways that help deliver better long-term brain health? Even without conclusive evidence, it makes sense that a brain able to enter mindful states will fire and wire in ways that bolster the very matter those cells live in, which sounds like excellent conditioning for an aging brain or for any brain that, with luck, will one day enjoy a vibrant, relevant, healthy elder chapter in life. Remember that phrase, you fire what you wire? It has an opposite. You lose what you don't use. It's probably a combination of biology and shifts in mental activity that point to the decrease in gray matter density associated with aging, even in healthy brains. I suggest that mindfulness activates less habitual ways of using the brain, perhaps counterbalancing the shortcuts it's accustomed to performing. The new routes we ask our brain to travel are the ones that challenge it to grow. With time, and studies suggest with very little time, like two weeks for certain types of changes, 
mindfulness changes the brain, maybe in ways that help deliver the gray matter goods. Now, if you're wondering how, if you don't yet have a mindfulness or meditation practice, or even if you do, how can you get yourself more of that gray matter density that is so good for your brain, no matter where you are on your life journey? First, hold this thought. You can cultivate mindfulness even without a meditation practice. Meditation helps, and it has many benefits of its own, yet it's not necessary. More to come, yet for now, get rid of any shoulds or need-tos about meditating. You can absolutely increase mindfulness and so many brain benefits, even without it. Second, please subscribe to this podcast. In episode four, I share a new format, one I'm really excited about. It's called Everyday Mindfulness, and it lets you play with mindful thinking without adding any extra shoulds, need-tos, or to-dos to your list. It's a practice you can do while you're doing what you're already doing, as long as, of course, what you're doing doesn't require your full attention. And if that's the case, just come back to the practice when you can be more flexible with your focus. When I sneak previewed everyday mindfulness with a friend, she called it mental pilates. I love that, a way to stretch and tone our brain's capacities in a way that's different from the usual calisthenics of everyday life. And one you can do at pretty much any level or age and see results. Same, same, it turns out, with your brain. And finally, take a small moment each day for a short mindful practice. Remember, any mindfulness is good mindfulness. Even moments of pausing, of taking a slow, deliberate breath, now and again as you go through your day, that can be mindfulness. But try this now if now's a good moment. It'll only take one minute. Shut your eyes if it helps. Breathe in deep. Hold the breath and feel it. And imagine your brain firing signals out and across its surface with a calming hum, a warmly lit glow. Visualize it becoming alight with activity. After all, visualization is what top athletes do to up their gameplay. Imagine your brain firing chemicals and currents that help strengthen and densify its gray matter, enriching its networks of cells and connections. Breathe in deep. Then exhale. Open your eyes. Check in with what you feel. That's all it takes to begin. Everything starts small. And your brain will do more of whatever it's doing right now. Yet before you go, take one more moment to feel what that was like for you. Even for a moment while you were connecting with your brain, Maybe you even felt forever young. Before I go, I have some people to thank. One is author Kimberly Young, who is truly forever young. 
Thank you, dear friend, for all of your encouragement and support. The other is the amazing Wade Rausch, a journalist, science historian, podcast maven, and one of those words-fail friends. Wade produces and hosts Soonish, a podcast about the future, and is the co-founder and president of Hub & Spoke, a nonprofit collective supporting audio storytelling. Wade, your generous advice and your faith in me mean the world. Be sure to visit www.thebrainandbeyond.com to explore your favorite episode. I share all kinds of good things to spark curiosity and nourish your brain. Our beautiful theme song, Land Where I Belong, is performed by Lucia Lilikoy. Learn more about her on the Brain and Beyond website, where you can listen to the whole song. And to you for being here. Thank you. And come back soon. I'm Ellen Petrie-Liance, and until next time, I send good thoughts to you, your brain, and beyond. sing